Patient-centred care is the easiest way to provide the best care possible and to deliver it. We need a healthy dose of partnerships. Improving pathways, opening lines of communication or providing transparency across the continuum. These projects exemplify collaboration and are drastically improving outcomes for their consumers. I guess there is a reason why they say teamwork makes the dream work. Thanks very much. Um, I guess the first thing I'd say is um, two years ago, one of my colleagues uh, got up here and spoke about um, feeling a bit like the Brady Bunch, this big family that we have um, and the ambulance service coming into it. Reflecting on that this morning, I thought maybe it was a little bit more like the Kardashians. Um, I'm definitely a Chloe, so let's leave it at that. Um, but then I actually walked into the room and I saw this amazing tree over here and the chairs and I was a bit worried that it was going to become a tribal council kind of situation. Uh, and as the, I won't say poor cousin, but as one of the cousins on the outlier, I'm getting voted off first. So thanks for the opportunity to come speak. Um, so I wanted to talk about our virtual ambulance care. So obviously we have buzzwords everywhere across health. Um, virtual at the moment, a hub as well. I've already attended two um, two presentations today that have had hub in their title, which is a bit concerning. I'm thinking I'm going to have to do a bit of service redesign when we get back. Um, but like all of you, you would have identified that uh, healthcare has a problem. And for the ambulance service, we definitely had a problem. From 2001 to 2010, our workload had increased 35%. Uh, we went from 800,000 incidents a year uh, up to just shy of 1.2 million. And that's reflected in um, response times, the number of ambulances that are sitting out at the front of your health services, uh, and also um, patient experience. Along that line as well, our budget continued to increase. So whilst that's good for us, more money to do more things, we also have an issue there that health service is going to become unsustainable. Um, the response delays, as I've um, mentioned, are a significant impact for us, but one of the unintended consequences is representation to triple zero. So this is when someone that's waiting for an ambulance calls triple zero, asking where it's going to be, which has, which has the unintended consequence of the next person being able to, unable to get through to the ambulance service. Um, I do like the coffee metaphor, and I assume everyone, uh, like the cup, the cup is overflowed, but not in a good way. Um, so this is a bit of audience participation. So who knows the old model of ambulance care? And I can't quite see, but feel free to yell out. Oh, come on. First... Yep, used to come to us and get their band-aids changed. Anything else? All right, so used to get one of these turn up to you. Sparkly is the best image I could find that wasn't scraped down the side or damaged or, um, you know, and it's thanks to our social media team. And then you used to get two of these amazing people turned up, fine-looking young paramedics, good specimens. I couldn't use a photo of myself there, obviously. Um, but that was the old model, right? You call triple zero, the call was received, an ambulance was dispatched, and we turned up. And about 75 to 85% of the time, we took you to hospital. However, at an incident cost of $731 per incident, it's an unsustainable model, particularly when you think about the far-flung places across our state where we have professional ambulance, ambulance service and paramedics providing care to the community. Um, however, as we all know, COVID's allowed us to change how we do things. So we're now doing it differently within our operations centre. Um, people are more, much more comfortable with alternate delivery methods of um, care. And while some people expect the old model, many people we're finding are actually really happy getting their care and treatment virtually and um, either via the phone or via telehealth. 
We know that advertising campaigns are not the solution to reducing ambulance call-outs. Experience in Australia, the UK and the US all show that when you advertise and tell people not to call ambulance, they call more. <laughs> um, so we need to accept this and we need to take on a health navigation role. So we saw three key changes to how we do our business. Um, we set up the clinical hub, or whatever I'm going to call it now that I've gone away from here, um, and within that we've got three pathways how we treat people. So we have early clinical care. This is where we reach out. So imagine, and I'll give an example and play an example shortly, but imagine you're in a remote and isolated location, an hour, two hours away from any medical help, let alone um, a hospital. Um, we can bring that care to you within five minutes as long as you've got some form of internet connectivity. Um, the, other, the other stream that we have investigated and we are using is a secondary triage function. So whilst we have that pending queue waiting for an ambulance, we're sorting our way through that and identifying who's the next priority, who might need to go to hospital or who can enter the third pathway, which is our referral and health navigation. This may involve simple, things as simple as advice about what pharmacies are open, what GP they can get into, um, you know, uh, identifying people that may not be appropriate for an ED um, because they've got a simple dental emergency that can't be managed within an, uh, completely managed within an emergency department. Um, and finally, referring into our partners within Queensland Health. So we have great success with the Metro North Virtual ED and other health services taking on patients that have called triple zero because it's their first point of contact in the healthcare system. Oh, so close. Thank you. Ambulance watch for town or suburb of the emergency, thank you. Well, we're on a uh, reef boat now that uh, Oakville reefs off Port Douglas. Tell me exactly what's happened. Okay, we've got um, young lads who've been snorkelling in the water yeah. and um, got a sting on his hand. Um, apparently they identified it as maybe a, a small blue bottle. Um, had a welt yeah. on his, um, near his face of his thumb and also on his fingers. And um, we're five get to start with. What we'll do is we'll put this to a clinician, okay? So you, you will get a call back on that number that, that you've called us on, okay? Because you are going to get a call back, okay? Um, and that yeah. will come from a private number. So please make sure you answer it. Hi, Mike. My name's Jess. I'm a paramedic supervisor with the Ambulance Call Centre. Um, hi. I understand you've got a patient there that's been stung by a blue bottle. We're going to get to watch the video like five times. So. <laughs> um, so look, obviously that's a really quick example of how we can bring care to a patient. I don't know if anyone's been to Opal Reef, but it's a long way away. It's either a volunteer marine rescue launch or police boat all the way out there, or it's a helicopter to retrieve um, that patient. So by being able to bring that um, care forward, obviously they had 3G, 4G reception out there. So our clinician was able to call back, uh, ascertain what was going on, and then they also used our telehealth option to understand what was going on. So the traditional model for us would be the first two steps within this model and then the dispatch of an ambulance. Imagine that you're out on the reef waiting for help to come um, and it could be an hour, two hours or more depending on the weather. What our service in the clinical hub now sees is incidents isolated that we identify as being appropriate for a secondary triage or intervention. We hide them from our dispatchers because our dispatchers are very good at sending out cases as soon as they come in, but by spending a little bit of time we nuance the care that we can provide to those patients. Uh, and then we utilise telehealth, uh, which has become very um, 
commonplace for most of us out there and we're using it in one form or another. And then we have the ultimate transport decision. So for us, our, our telehealth solution is very similar to what's within Queensland Health, whereas we send a text message direct to the patient and within 30 seconds we're speaking directly to them. We can have a one-to-one -one conversation or bring in a third party as well if required for further advice. So how we've achieved this within our is within our clinical hub. So through the pilot period of the clinical hub, we saw just shy of 45,000 cases uh, operating 16 hours a day. And of those 44,000, once we are, um, once we take out the cases of hotel quarantine transfer that we were also managing during that period of time, we've got just shy of 7,000 cases which we're able to not dispatch an ambulance to. What this ultimately means for the Queensland Ambulance Service is a cost saving of $5 million. Uh, however, that's obviously scalable um, and allows us to go further as we transition to a 24-hour model of care and we expand the service outside southeast Queensland. Um, of nice a nice outcome that we weren't necessarily expecting is the fact that we had really low representation rates. As soon as we use telehealth and someone sees a paramedic, um, that reassured, obviously not if it's me, like a, uh, the team is very reassuring, um, but they see that face, they see the uniform and they're happy with um, the advice that's given rather than a disembodied voice on the end of the phone. Um, we haven't identified any significant clinical incidents, however we're ensuring that we're maintaining oversight of that. There was three unexpected outcomes from, our, um, from the implementation of the clinical hub, and that was the first one, which is the example we've given, which was the early, early clinical intervention. The majority of our calls are called back within five minutes, uh, and initially when we launched the hub, we actually identified an issue with Telstra, where if you called triple zero and then we called you back, you received any phone call within five minutes, the call would drop out. So we had to tell people to calm down a little bit and uh, not be so efficient, um, so until Telstra fixed it. Um, We've had really positive patient experience. So as I've explained, um, people are happy to see the face, to get the advice, and that calmed down very, um, very quickly rather than waiting for the ambulance to respond, either non-lights and sirens or lights and sirens, which can take a period of time to arrive. And I'm sure if anyone's experienced that, um, it can be disconcerting. And finally was the cost saving that we found. This has allowed us to obviously provide a better value healthcare and reorientate money and... Um, into areas of the ambulance service for other areas of improvement. So I guess that leaves us with what does the future hold? So the Queensland Ambulance Service is currently doing things that we never would have imagined. Five years ago, we had a very binary model of care. We, a patient called, we turned up, we took them to hospital, or around 15% of the time we didn't. With our new model, via telehealth, secondary triage, we're getting up towards six... Uh, up towards 20% of patients that are seen, treated and discharged from the ambulance um, from their initial triple zero call. I think this leaves us with the question of what's the future for paramedicine. I'm obviously not wearing my uniform today and I envisage in future that's what we'll be, we'll be seeing a lot more paramedics across health services um, in a different role, not just working within a jurisdictional ambulance service. The final thing I'd leave you with is a challenge on that. What's the future within your HHS for paramedics that aren't employed by the QAS? Thank you. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. 
This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.